Good evening, it is 5 p.m. and you're tuned in to Kingston Currents here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Brought to you by the local journalism initiative, Queen's University, and What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street. I'm CFRC's broadcast journalist, Christina Laurie, here to keep you up to date on all things limestone local news. To start us off, we have a few messages from the Kingston Frontenac Public Library. Connecting communities, increased hours, and expanded access at KFBL's Pittsburgh branch. In response to the evolving needs of community members, the Kingston Frontenac Public Library has introduced extended hours at the Pittsburgh branch, while expanding overall operating hours at the branch. The Pittsburgh branch is now open from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday and 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Fridays and Saturdays, with a blend of conventional staffed hours and extended hours, during which registered users are supported remotely by off-site staff. Staff hours have increased to 40 per week and will not be reduced as a result of this project. During extended hours, registered users can browse the collection, borrow and return materials, pick up holds, and access public computers and Wi-Fi, copy, print, and enjoy the space. Chief Librarian and CEO Laura Carter states, as Kingston East continues to grow, so does the need for library services in the area. We are committed to evolving alongside the community's needs, and we recognize the flexibility in library access is key. Extended hours allows more people to access our rich resources and welcoming spaces. Users can sign up in person at any of KFPL's 16 library branches to access extended hours, providing identification and agreeing to the terms of use. This service is available to individuals who hold a KFPL membership in good standing and are 16 years of age or older, or are 14 or 15 years of age with permission from a parent or legal guardian. Safety and security during extended hours are top priority, with measures including video surveillance, clear separation of staff in public areas, and a pre-registration process to identify users. Additionally, a phone is pre-programmed with buttons to summon emergency services or request assistance from library staff at another branch. Hours of operation, both staffed and extended, can be found online. To learn more about extended hours, visit KFPL's resource page and explore previous consultation and community engagement. Also in KFPL news, Service Canada joins KFPL to offer information sessions and clinics. Service Canada, in partnership with Kingston Frontenac Public Library, is offering a user-friendly option to access services for residents. First off is the newcomer session on October 26th from 2 to 3 p.m. at the Calvin Park branch. Newcomers to Canada will get an overview of Service Canada offerings, including the benefits of social insurance number acquisition, the job bank, foreign credentials recognition, employment insurance, the Canada pension plan, and old age security. No library card is required to register. Next, on November 16th from 3 to 4 p.m. is the Indigenous Peoples Session. A dedicated session for members of Indigenous communities will be held at the Central Branch. Discover the advantages of the post-secondary education support program, youth employment strategy, assisted living program, passport service, and benefits for families. No library card is needed to register. They will also have one-on-one clinics. Service Canada will also host first-come, first-served one-on-one clinics at the Isabel Turner Branch. These clinics will assist individuals in completing pension applications on November 30th from 1 to 3 p.m. and social insurance number registration on December 6th from 2 to 4.30 p.m. For the pension clinic, please bring valid photo identification, your SIN, and any supplementary documents if applicable. For the SIN clinic, please bring a primary document such as birth certificate, proof of Canadian citizenship or permit, and secondary valid photo identification. Librarian Jake Miller states, Service Canada's presence at KFPL underscores our commitment to fostering inclusion, respect, and support for all community members. These events provide an excellent opportunity for individuals to learn about the valuable resources available to them, ensuring that they receive the benefits they have earned." End quote.
Next up, an announcement from South Frontenac, South Frontenac Drive-Thru Flu Shot Clinics. South Frontenac Township is once again teaming up with the Sydney Medical Clinic to host two drive-thru flu clinics this fall. No appointments necessary. The first will be on Tuesday, October 24th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. and the second on November 7th from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. These will take place at 2490 Keeley Road. Please wear short sleeves and remain in your vehicle at all times. You will need to show a valid Ontario Health card for all family members getting a shot. Masks are strongly encouraged. For more information, you can contact the Cinda Medical Clinic at 613-376-3327. This is a reminder that the University District Safety Initiative has gone into effect as of October 14th in anticipation of homecoming events. Kingston Police and City Bylaw Enforcement are reminding students to be mindful of their behavior and to celebrate responsibly during homecoming activities. The UDSI began on October 14th at 12 a.m. and will remain in effect until November 1st at 12 a.m. During this time, bylaw and police will have an increased presence in the university district. Individuals who commit an identified offense under the nuisance party bylaw could be issued a Part 1 court summons or an administrative monetary penalty. Police and city bylaw are working closely with Queen's University, Kingston Fire and Rescue, Frontenac Paramedics, Kingston Health Sciences Center, and other partners to ensure minimal disruptions to the community during this time. The administrative Monetary penalties process means penalties under the nuisance party and noise bylaws can be issued and resolved directly through the city. Penalties include the following. Host, conduct, or sponsor a nuisance party, $2,000. Fail to comply with an order to leave premises, $500. Use a closed highway, $500. Noise bylaw offenses, various $100 to $200. Fail to comply with signs, $200. Under Ontario's Liquor License and Control Act, the following actions are prohibited and could result in a Part 1 court summons. Person under 19 years having or consuming liquor, having liquor in open container, or consuming liquor in unauthorized place, being intoxicated in public space. Bylaw enforcement and Kingston police liaison teams have been out in the university district connecting directly with residents and distributing educational materials. Breakwater Park and Gord Edgar Downey Pier will also be closed to the public nightly from 8pm to 6.30am, starting from the evening on Thursday, October 19th to the morning of Sunday, October 22nd, as well as from the evening of Thursday, October 26th until the morning of Sunday, October 29th. Under City of Kingston bylaw, it is an offense to enter or use a park where the entry or use is prohibited by notice. There will be active video surveillance of the area at this time. Residents are encouraged to learn more by visiting the UDSI webpage on the City of Kingston website. The City of Kingston aims to support harm reduction measures for Queen's Homecoming this year, in part by facilitating the extended operation of food trucks throughout the event. The motion presented, stemming from conversations between councillors and the Queen's Alma Mater Society, was to waive some of the time restrictions on refreshment vehicles for businesses participating in AMS events at locations approved by the city. This would mean extending the business hours for these food trucks to 2 a.m. This would take place throughout the University District Safety Initiative that's October 14th to November 1st. This would also involve giving the city's director of licensing and enforcement the ability to revoke or modify the terms of these extra hours when necessary. The goal of this move is to reduce harm by ensuring participants in homecoming festivities have access to food and non-alcoholic beverages throughout the day. Councillors discussed the motion from various angles, considering how this decision could impact this year's homecoming. The intention behind this AMS collaboration for food trucks is harm reduction. Um, I'm just concerned that we are in someone else's kitchen here. Is this a Queen's issue? 
I, I do have some concerns about the overall motion. Um, one is that the 2 a.m. I'm I am worried that the public is going to hear we're condoning street parties until 2 a.m. Uh, and that will be the optics of this. My concern is that we are going to be sponsoring this unauthorized street party with food trucks up until 2 a.m., which is going to be a public thing, which with the recent last couple of events that happened and with the attendance being down, attendance may go up because now they have some place to eat as well. I am very concerned about the optics of this. Because yes, we may not be sponsoring something, but we are allowing, we are permitting it. And so we as council need to decide what is it that we are going to permit? Because in the eyes of residents, what we permit is what we endorse. There was also an amendment added to this motion suggesting that these food trucks be restricted to Queen's campus. I think it's pretty clear what this amendment is for. It's the idea that yes, Director Smith should have that ability to extend the length of time that food trucks are open, um, but personally I would feel a lot more comfortable if this were restricted to Queen's University campus. I know the idea is that we're trying to help disperse and spread out students, uh, however I'm not sure that having them in the community neighborhoods is going to achieve that and I, I realize there's no way to know until we try, but I think that as a, a slower first step with the intention of helping Queens to, to deal with this issue, um, I, I would prefer this. It was assured that bylaw and Kingston Police would be prepared to factor this development into plans for homecoming. So we will have a significant police presence as well as a bylaw presence. And if we do have the food trucks out there, they are going to be something that we are patrolling rather frequently. So I think that we could react very proactively before something got out of hand. Councillors also expressed the need for more communication between the city and Queen's AMS for future events. I think that AMS should be here tonight. To, to speak to us if this is something that would really be helpful for them. I would prefer trucks to be kept on campus for lighting, for safety. I just think it would be a better move. And further, if AMS did this last year and they wanted to take it further, they should have reached out sooner. Here we are with a council motion, no staff report, trying to make the best decision we can, and they had every opportunity to reach out sooner. Um, Councillor Glenn, you've been trying really hard to collaborate with them consistently. I've, I've seen you doing this, this work and staff as well. So I think that if we could send AMS a message respectfully, if you need something, let us know earlier, please. So I hope that that could be passed on. I am also disappointed the AMS is not here to speak because I was hoping they could maybe expand on what their plans were. With the amendment of restricting the location of these food trucks to Queen's campus, the motion passed with a vote of 11 to 2, adding to the list of measures being put into place for this year's homecoming. Enjoy homecoming, come here, be safe, uh, go to bed early, and drink lots of water. The Cataraqua Union of Tenants has introduced a new annual fundraiser event alongside their other advocacy efforts. Founded in 2019, the Cataraqua Union of Tenants is a group of Kingstonians who advocate for tenant rights and bring awareness to housing challenges and needs in the Cataraqua community. They are currently gearing up for the launch of their new annual thrift fundraiser. In partnership with Valley Village, they will be collecting soft goods, including clothing and shoes, and household items. I sat down with union members Ivan and Genoa to talk about this new fundraising initiative. Here's what they had to say. To get us started, would you both like to introduce yourselves and chat a bit about the work you guys do with the Union of Tenants? So I'm Genoa, and I've been with the Tenant Union probably since 2019 when I first met Ivan. We originally started as like 
a group of people who were very frustrated with the um, housing and homelessness task force and um, sort of their inability to approach homelessness and housing affordability from an actually critical perspective. So that's uh, initially I met Ivan that way. What we do is we advocate, we raise money, we educate, uh, we feed people, and we host cool events to help educate the community and raise awareness around um, tenant rights and tenant advocacy rights, specifically surrounding affordable housing in the city of Kingston. Awesome. And Ivan? Yeah, I'm a founding member too. 2019 it was. Yeah, we were very outraged by the the way the city figured out a way to turn uh, a property that was left to it by an order of nuns to turn into social housing into uh, a for-profit housing. Um, Yeah, I think uh, technically, I mean, I'm I'm the general secretary of the Karak Union of Tenants, Genoa, accessibility officer, I think. Is that right, Genoa? Yeah, and sort of the impromptu fundraising organizer as well along with some other colleagues. It's been a while, and we've had some, as you can imagine, being in a student town, we had a little bit of turnaround over the years, but we, we built a pretty strong uh, Facebook group and a pretty strong, you know, encampment support network. Uh, and uh, We've done a lot of uh, feeding the, the homeless people uh, and vulnerable people at the, at the care hub there but also in in poor neighborhoods so uh there's you know we we help each other we have a facebook group where people ask questions others answer them uh we answer people's uh, queries with with distributed literature mm-hmm. uh telling people about their rights and what they can and cannot do as tenants um yeah we feed the people we, we give people hope we we're on their side and we're fighting for housing for all for for actually affordable decent uh, housing that befits a human being for everybody. Well, thank you for very much for sharing your background on your organization and your initiative and also speaking to um, the current situation in Kingston. Um, you got into it a little bit, but I was wondering if you could speak a bit specifically to what your fundraising efforts are going towards. We do have a Feed the, Feed the People program, um, which is in constant need of um, funds to replenish sort of I believe it's daily um, food that we're providing at the Integrated Care Hub for um, our friends that are living in the encampment and surrounding areas. Um, but additionally, we haven't, um, you know, we, we've we focused so much on sort of the on the ground efforts that, um, you know, this year we tried to pivot a bit and um, put some of the fundraising Money's back towards um, some of some of our more general operating costs. So we hold um, monthly tenant union meetings, and they're open to the public. So um, you know, small, tiny fees that go towards our in-person rental space at ninety-nine York Street, which is a community shared building. Um, and then you know, more generally, um, sort of sort of the out-of-pocket expenses that I know our executive um, has been taking on personally, which is like printing of materials, um, maintaining our website, maintaining our social media platforms and that type of thing that, you know, they're the more behind the scenes service fees that come along with advocacy work. Um, So that's really what we're trying to focus on um, with the next two fundraising initiatives. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, I was wondering if you could get into exactly what those initiatives are and as well as your thrift fundraiser which is ongoing this month. 
Yeah. So we're really excited to start hosting our annual thrift fundraiser. Um, We're doing this in partnership with the Value Village of Canada, um, but more specifically the Value Village here in Kingston. So we are looking to identify at least um, 20 people who either individually or as a group or team want to collect at least 10 collect and fill, I should say, 10 garbage bags full of soft goods. So this is anything that you can wear on your body, including shoes and, um, you know, two boxes at least each per person or team of household goods. Um, And we just ask that people don't collect books because they just aren't um, a good ROI for us. Um, And then, People will collect their soft goods and their household items. We also have a place for people to store those if you did want to sign up. Um, people can email tenants at gmail.com um, and I can get them connected with the instruction pamphlet and drop off materials for them to get started. Um, and then in addition, we have an event coming up for Halloween, which is really fun. Um, so that's October the 28th. We're hosting at the 99 York Street Community home, I guess, or house, I should say. Uh, Tickets are $10 in advance, or you can pay at the door. Um, So we're doing a film screening of Charlotte's Castle, which is a TVO documentary of the current housing crisis in Canada, but more specifically in Toronto. And we'll also be having a Halloween costume contest. So tickets come with a drink of your choice and homemade popcorn. So some cool up and coming events. If people want to, sorry, I should also add Christina that to get tickets for the event, people can visit our Instagram page at KC Union of Tenants. And we have a link tree there with all of our links. Sounds good. And um, is this the first year you're running both of these events? So uh, I think about two years ago, we did um, an in-person sort of yard sale. Mm-hmm. Um But just in an effort to sort of free up people's capacity, we decided to um, change our approach to the thrift fundraiser and make it an annual event so that we can start to, you know, create more um, momentum with the movement and then also, um, you know, have a more regular fundraising stream for our organization. Awesome. Yeah. And then uh, how long is this thrift fundraiser running for? Yeah, great question. So our final weigh-in is actually December the 2nd. So any individuals or teams that do reach out to us and want to be part of it, um, we will organize as a a group to pick up your your collections, donations, um, and we'll do a final weigh-in at the Kingston Value Village that day. Um, I was wondering if you had any specific goals for this thrift fundraiser in terms of whether it's numbers or turnout or anything like that. That's a really good question, Christina. So I think our goal is at least 20 either individuals or teams that can put together, like I said, 10 full garbage bags, black garbage bags, and um, two household item boxes. So that's like like our minimum. If we can get people, you know, that want to take on a team and knock door to door and hand out garbage bags with the information pamphlet, um, we have lots of different strategies for growing that number. Um, And like Ivan said, we're open to like limitlessness. So we'll support whatever um, comes knocking. And, um, you know, we're really excited about the possibility of, you know, perhaps some Queen students getting involved and some people who are really looking for a sense of belonging because the tenant union, you know, we're a great group of people. Um, and um, we're always open to different ideas and uh, 
Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. So you have these two events coming up, um, slash ongoing. Uh, I was wondering if you had any other events coming up or if there's a specific place where people can keep up with you guys. Yeah, that's a great question. I think the best resource is our Facebook page. Um, cause it really acts as a community where, you know, not just the executive chimes in with our expertise, but we have other community members that, you know, sort of organically support each other through, um, any tenant issues that they might be having. Um, but also our Instagram is a great option. It has, like I said, all of our links to our website, to our event pages, um, to get tickets, et cetera. So, um, personally, I like the Instagram option. I have a Twitter as well. And we have a website called, uh, tenantsunite.ca is the, the, the webpage for more and more people. The, the choice is, is between pest infested, horrible apartments and street. And people are choosing street in the summer and then the winter hits and they are unable to undo their choice and are, and they're ending up dead. It's a horrible choice to make and, and there's no excuse. We, we can really use volunteers and we could, you know, there's no limit to, to how much we could grow and how much money we could spend uh, uh, fighting this uh, Goliath. So on Facebook, we have a group and we have a page page everyone should follow those are our messages to the world but uh group you join the group if you want to get involved that's basically the difference there are two different things so group is where we advertise our meetings and where we have our discussions it's great okay well the call is out to cfrc listeners to get out there get involved and look through their closets those interested in donating or becoming one of 20 community ambassadors supporting the Thrift Fundraiser can reach out to cataractwaytenants at gmail.com. Donations will be accepted for the Thrift Fundraiser until the final weigh-in on December 2nd, 2023. You can learn more and keep up with the Cataractway Union of Tenants via their website and social media as provided by Ivan and Genoa. That is all things current in Kingston for this week. Thank you for listening to CFRC's local news programming, brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University, and What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next. What'll I Wear offers the best in vintage, funky, one-of-a-kind treasures, clothing, accessories, and a fabulous selection of jewels, vintage and new. Find the cutest purse, the most dashing of hats, and sunglasses. Everything to complete your individual look. What'll I Wear has it all. They can dress you from top to bottom. Find your new fashion fave at What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street in Kingston. Visit their new location and follow them on Facebook to keep up to date with what's in store at What'll I Wear. Dear listeners, as you may have heard, Meta, which owns Instagram and Facebook, is blocking Canadian access to all content created by news providers, including this radio station, in response to the Online Broadcasting Act. Access to local news and information matters to everyone, and while radio stations use their airwaves to keep you informed, we also use social media to share local news, events, and initiatives, and even content about our upcoming programming. We need you to write your MP and convey your concerns. Learn more and find a letter template for your MP on our website, cfrc.ca. Thank you for your support. 